welcome to the Movie Forward podcast. Uh, my name's Corey Cottrell, and uh, we've got the, uh, the I'm assuming, multiple coffee-holding uh, Rio Verdenier. Nailed it. Hey, guys. And uh, today, kids, we're going to talk about fascism. Um, it's not good. So now that's done. We can just end the show and go on to the next podcast. <laughs> well, you know me, you know me, Corey. I'm I'm going to I'm going to uh, try to approach this from the angle of what the hell is it? Where does it fit on the political spectrum? Yeah. And how much does it apply to the alt right? Versus how much does it apply to the actual right versus what even is the far right? So that'll be an interesting conversation. That's um, a good frame. All right. Well, let me, <laughs> uh, let me do the definition here real quick, just in case, because again, like people are throwing it around, even Trump throws this around, which is like the height of all irony. That's like, you know, him, uh, uh, you know, suddenly crying out that, you know, Biden grabs women by the pussy, which, and I had a horrible fucking daydream this morning that like, because, like, really, this race is finished unless something really crazy happens. And then I was like, oh, fuck, it's 2020 and Trump's president. Like, there's going to be a deep fake uh, video of Biden with, like, Epstein and a fucking four-year-old or something. Anyway, I shouldn't have even said that out loud because now it'll, 2020 yeah, is probably God damn it. Anyway, so fascism defined to not get too much uh, uh, down the, the rabbit hole. Uh, a political philosophy movement or regime such as that of the fascisti probably where we got its name, uh, that exalts nation and often race above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. So like uh, the Nazis uh, and to greater and lesser extents, the Chinese government um, and uh, America under Trump. Yeah, no, if you go through the, the checklist, um, pretty much all of it has, applies to the alt-right. All right, so um, if you Google fascism and uh, early warning signs of, uh, you get a, a, a basically a, a, an image that comes up really, really, you know, I've seen this thing go around and I think it's sort of inarguably true. Um, and it's a list that is rumored to have been put together by uh, some Jewish people after uh, World War II. I don't know if you've heard, but they went through this whole thing. Uh, with Germans who were uh, not great. <clears throat> so uh, some of the early warning signs of fascism, powerful and continuing nationalism. Uh, and of course, you know, I think America to greater and lesser extents flirts with that one all the time. Uh, disdain for human rights. America does not flirt with that one all the time. Uh, identification of, uh, well, it's, wait, we should just stop at each one of these. Disdain yeah, well, for I was rights. about to say, let's, Yeah, let's... I mean, because that's the thing, like, otherwise it's just going to be me offering my asshole con <laughs> commentary on it every time. But like, so, like, the, so the powerful and continuing nationalism, mm -hmm. um, again, like, my instantaneous reaction to that is I think America's had a problem with that for a long time, but it's, it's sort of usually a subtext, not, and, like, something that people are kind of, can be sort of genuinely proud of because they're thinking in terms of the the sort of shining hill on the the you know shining city on the hill kind of archetype right true or not it's sort of like that th there is sort of an affirmative message behind 
a positive message about what it means to be an American and the nationalism is tied to that? Well, that's part of the problem is that um, there is a difference between nationalism and patriotism. And the way that some people on the radical left have vilified patriotism has actually meant that it's really actually done a lot of harm to the positive way of thinking about pride toward your country. And now there's no place for conservatism left to go, but the negative dark place. It was actually a very, very good thing for the country that leaders like Reagan actually um, pushed for people to channel their pride about America, about the United States of America, in a positive direction that was about spreading our values, welcoming people as legal immigrants to the country who shared our values, about being the leaders of the free world, right? That's, that's, that's what I would call patriotism. And I understand that there were always valid good faith arguments to be made about the fact that that was an overly simplistic narrative, right? That overlooked lots of dark aspects of, of our present and our history. But the fact remains that most people are numbskulls who can only think in bumper stickers. And when you tear down a positive bumper sticker, you just got the shitty bumper sticker left. And that's part of what happened. So I think there's actually a little bit of blame to go around there. Um, I think I, I yeah. want to see... Because the, 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 the idea that people on the left sort of vilifying patriotism forces... No, notice I said the radical left. I don't think that actually... I, I know, but honestly, like, I'm not sure because yeah. like, you don't think I'm radical left and I shit on no. people for being overly patriotic. So that's me. Like, that's I, think me, right? that, I think that you flirt with that stuff. Well, so let me, like... let me finish my thought because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to internalize it because I think, I think it's a fair and interesting criticism that i mean as usual requires more patience from me than we require of others but that's cool i'm canadian um that's a joke i'm not very patient today at all <laughs> but but it, I, anyway i think it's an interesting point because uh like it's at least worth thinking about right because the alternative you know if we're going to be the rational actors in the space we mm -hmm. can vilify all kinds of patriotism and i think you're right to some extent or a measurable extent it, it could box people that aren't thinking about these things into a corner where it would actually get dark. And so, yeah. you know, um, you know, considering that the, 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 the work is going to be left to people who are conscious of the work that needs doing, um, I, you know, I think that that's kind of a, a fair situation. And to your point, like, I, while I am very much not a huge fan of Reagan, I do think that managing that kind of energy, right? Like the, the, the bent that we, that we as a human species clearly have towards falling into these systems of government that are autocratic and fascistic and just genuinely fucking shitty, making patriotism about our better angels as opposed to you know, letting them go to the dark place is in my mind kind of akin to how Andrew Yang was so skillfully uh, um, you know, channeling populist energy, right? And so I think like it's it's stuff that that I haven't spent a whole lot of time in my life thinking about, but I'm entirely open to. So anyway, no, that's uh, fair. I mean, like I I think it's I think that I think I guess a lot the common theme in a lot of my my critiques of bad approaches to political narratives 
is that the easiest thing in the world is to point out the flaws with a given narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, but you know, every narrative has flaws because the world is complicated as hell, right? And you know, but like never at the same time, you you can't really go through life without having some kind of bearing or sense of like what your purpose in life is a way of interpreting the world around you. People need simplistic narratives in order to function. And that's true about politics as much as it is in anything else. And, and so I, I think that the, the, um, the contrarian tendency to just tear everything down without any concern about what might fill the void is uh, something to, to reflect upon. That one line is something that, that I want to offer up as an anchor point for the conversation that we're going to have next. Okay, uh, like because that. that 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 is definitely something that is sort of a hard pass fail point for like it's the entrance exam into the democratic party is that fair um sure, and good. you'll just have to listen to the next episode to understand what the f i <laughs> now okay. and of course in the case of trump he doesn't like he rarely does he call himself a patriot he like waves the flag and stuff but he he talks he about hugs the flag he calls himself like a psycho he, he rapes the flag he sniffs the flag <laughs> oh, Jesus. um but like oh, you know he calls man. himself and he calls himself a nationalist not a patriot and that's for that's for a reason. I mean, there there are what there are two different ways of defining what it means to be an American. You can define it in the the evil neocon way, which is the one we were just talking about, which is that basically was a lot of hand waving right there. <laughs> with, but if you, that's the one we were just talking about. It's based on like yeah. America is a set of ideas, and people who believe in freedom and liberal democracy and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and capitalism, those are Americans, right? That's, that's one way of thinking about it. And again, I granted, I understand that there are lots of complications with around that and there's good faith criticism to be made of it. But the other way of thinking about it is, well, you just were born here, right? And maybe not even that. That's the blood and soil way of thinking about it. And that is a dark tunnel to go down. Agreed. Uh, so yeah, powerful and continuing nationalism. Uh, yep, no bueno. Uh, disdain for human rights. So it it really is this compartmentalization of you know people, and they they you remember the Stanford experiment? Uh, some uh, some Jewish guys decide to uh, the Stanford prison experiment decide to uh, uh, you know put a bunch of people in a, a prison cell and see if they can recreate the kind of abuses that happened during the Holocaust. And it was fucking easy. They had to stop the the uh, 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 the study really quickly because just random normal people went completely bananas and started hurting people. Um, so this is sort of a thing that statistically is, you know, is is in us, right? And nationalists know that or don't care and use it to amplify the us versus them that creates absolute control and an unthinking violent mob that you can point wherever you want to point it. Yeah, that takes us back to our um, episode on the new narrative, on the cohesive narrative versus the, the narrative of division, right? You, the, way, the way I think about it is a president is supposed to take the side of all Americans against our enemies. But what Trump's done is he's taken the side of our enemies and therefore he can't take the side of all Americans. He's taken the side of our enemies and therefore what he needs to do is to divide Americans against one another, because that is in the interest of our enemies and not in the interest of uh, us. It's in, explicitly in the interest of himself. 
it's in the interest of Trump, but it's also right. it happens to also be in the interest of our enemies. Exactly. Uh, we don't yeah. know. We, we don't know whether or not it's because he just ideologically aligns with people like Vladimir Putin, no. or if it's because he's just an opportunist who's just going to you know make bank off of it um, because he wasn't that rich to begin with, and 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 the wealth he had was all pretty much. You know, it's stolen. this is terrifying. I it's not even ideological, and I, I've been making this argument for a long time. Trump doesn't have an ideological bone in his body for anything. But Mary Trump's book that just came out explicitly describes Fred Trump. And there is a reason that Donald Trump is in love with Putin. And it's he's, he's got daddy issues like you wouldn't fucking believe. And it yeah, is literally sense. that simple. Like well, the way that what, he was brought up. I think he looks up, up to him because he wants to be like that, right? That, that's so, exactly it. That's kind of, but I feel like that is kind of an ideology. Like even if your ideology is just that I believe that I want to be a strong leader like Vladimir Putin, that's kind yeah. of an ideology. All right, I mean, I, I think it's sort of based uh, uh, almost child psychology in a very old man, but sure. Uh, yeah. So where does that relate Either to side human of the rights? Coin. Where does that relate to human rights? Because when you divide citizens against one another, when you start seeing your fellow Americans as your enemies instead of just as citizens with whom you happen to disagree about policy, right? Mm -hmm. um, it just, then it, it becomes easier to, to lead people down a dark road toward, yeah. the viol toward the active violation of the rights of your fellow citizens. Let and me give you a little example. Stanford prison experiment is a perfect example of that. That is, yeah. it is, it is in our nature to do horrible things to one another if if the incentive structures are misaligned and right. Trump is working like it's his full-time job to misalign those incentive structures in our society. Yeah, you can you can see it in almost everything that he says, which is why I like, you know, yell all the time. Like I, you know, we keep trying to warn people that this is coming. I found this out a couple of days ago. Did you know that they uh, issued bayonets to the troops that were uh, um sent out to break up the riots in Washington? No, but it doesn't surprise me. Right? Fucking bayonets. Crazy. <laughs> right? That's crazy. Anyway, so like, that, and, and again, like the human rights thing, putting uh, uh, kids in cages, the first reaction when they got caught about, the, uh, about putting kids in cages was to destroy the list that would let them reunite them with their parents. That's fucking real, right? Yeah, These people yeah, just... are... Because Monsters. they're more concerned about controlling public relations than they are about respecting the human rights of and dignity of people. So once again, if yep. you if you if your conception of America is a blood and soil conception, then you don't care. You don't care about the human rights of children who whose parents, in some cases, may have brought them over illegally, but in a lot of cases, they were just legally applying for so asylum. Mm -hmm. which is something they're allowed to do. Um, and like that was most you know, cases until and, they started and, bunching and, them and, up and, at the border. And, and right, exactly. And, and, and of course, Trump doesn't respect um, the separation of powers. He doesn't respect the, the power of the legislative branch of the government to set the laws. So he was just trying to skirt around the laws by deciding, oh, I'm going to enforce this one, but not this one. And I'm going to I'm going to basically just kind of invent laws out of whole cloth through various executive orders. So it was about getting around our actual system of government in order to steal children from their parents. Who I guess, you know, if you think that non-American citizens don't have any rights and that you think it's totally fine to do that, then, you know, you should probably put on a hat, red hat and go vote for Donald Trump. But I think it's deplorable. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the word for it. Uh, so, and, and we've spoken about this already, but it's, and it's really clear, the identification of enemies as a unifying cause. Uh, the Republican Party and Fox News have been guilty of this for quite a long time. They've usually just managed to be a little bit, uh, well, it's subtle. I mean, not often subtle, but compared to now, deeply subtle. Um, you know, Trump's case in 2018 was all about fucking migrant caravans. Same as in, in 16, right? Um, and luckily, it, it, its effectiveness is decreasing almost geometrically over time. But you can see it in everything that he does. Even the Antifa thing, right? The Antifa thing is the vast majority of that. Because I went and looked for actual cases where there were proven people who were Antifa who broke anything. And there's just none. It's not a thing. Um, but he says it every day and he wants to make them a terrorist group, right? Because he's got to figure out how to way, a way to make other Americans right. the enemy. Well, and that, that, there you go. That's the key. That's the key difference. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, when we were fighting against Nazis, that was also a unifying cause against a common enemy, right? Yep. So that's not always a bad thing. Um, but when you start turning Americans against one another for political gain, that's some seriously dark shit. Or when you start, right, or even the Chinese, or when, start, or when you start making enemies out of allies, right? right? Which yeah. is something else yeah. Trump does, right? I mean, like some people are our enemies, but those are. The, yeah. But it's really, it's yeah. really telling to see that those are the ones Trump sucks up to. He's not. Yeah, he, it's he doesn't. He doesn't like yeah. he, he. You know, his entire political worldview is ass backwards. Yeah, I mean that. That's just real. I mean, I like. Yeah, like I brought up the Chinese because it's like 1.2 billion people and those people are not our enemies, right? But the Chinese government is our uh, uh, combatant on the world stage. That's a good and distinction. I like that. Ordinarily, it is 99% on the diplomatic front, including economics or whatever. Right? Like there's real conflict going on there that needs to right. be resolved. That's totally real, right? But yeah, to your point, you know, it's like th otherizing those people would be bad enough. He's like getting out of NATO and like vilifying Europe. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Who, who's done like any enemy will do. Who's done literally nothing to us, nothing other than help us for right. like, it, right. No, I mean, and, 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 and that's a good point. Cause you know, who understood the difference between a government and their people once again, Ronald Reagan, right? When he was, he, he was telling Gorbachev to tear down the wall, it was because he was looking out for the human rights of people who were being violated by the Soviet Union, right? Whereas what does Trump do? He calls it the Chinese virus and intentionally stokes hatred of Chinese Americans. Totally yeah. different thing. Like comparisons yeah, I, between Trump and Reagan should make any real conservative throw the fuck up. Well, that's, did you see that uh, the, the um, Vote for Vets uh, ad that came out? It was like, I, I've, seen was, few. I've, I've seen a few. I've seen a few. Yeah, it sure was Lincoln Project good. It was the whole like you know Shining City on a Hill thing, and it just yeah. was like Trump and all the crazy shit that was going on. Like that, oh, the contrast yeah, the one could that not was, be more dark. Yeah, it was just Ronald Reagan talking over images yeah. of stuff Trump's done. Yeah, yeah, yep, that was pretty powerful. That'll do it. Here I am. I, I I'm a fucking Reagan stand uh, now. Know, so but, that's but, fun. <laughs> But he uses a similar bumper sticker to Reagan, make America great again. Not that's similar, all it, identical. That, yeah, that's all it takes. That's all it takes to, to confuse the dumbest people in America into seeing him oh, and, as being the same when they are polar opposites in their approach to everything. That's entirely true. Uh, so this one's interesting, supremacy of the military. Ordinarily, um, in America, over the last, say, well, like, since probably the 80s, I would say, right? Since the Cold War really kind of ramped into a cultural phenomenon, the, the military has been this kind of sacrosanct uh, thing. 
definitely can't do any wrong. Um, it's really until recently been, uh, uh, I think holistically, the purview of the Republican Party in a lot of ways, where all the hawks were, blah, 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 right? It's a, and again, to greater or lesser extent. Um, but I, we can't say, and I, he like, granted, so, okay, let me maybe frame it this way. So supremacy of the military in Donald Trump's fascist mind, because he just is, is military parades to him, right? L right. Not linking the military as this sort of functional protector that has pledged itself to the constitution, which is in the real world what happened. To right? a set of values that Trump is tearing apart. That's the thing, and, and has never read and doesn't know. But it, it really is as a function to glorify himself. Right, like that's, no, a he literally example. wanted right. a giant military parade for himself. Like that's insane. And like the Mount Rushmore thing, all the airplanes and all the blah, 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 right? And all the mega assholes to eat that shit up because it works. Right. Yeah. Like it. Like it's. It's a thing that is that is on this extremely slippery slope that we're now on on skis that goes into like. And Rio and I have been talking about this. Greg and I have been talking about this for two years at least now. Like the Hitler thing gets overplayed. Fine. But like this is pull the fire alarm fascist bullshit that is going on in this country right now. Right. No, exactly. And we're, like there. We're on number you know, four. There are different kinds of fascists, right? And Donald Trump is one of them. Um, he, the, the, uh, the obstacles to him having the kind of country he wants and being the kind of leader he wants to be are the Constitution, our separation of powers, states' rights, all the things that conservatives have been saying that they believe in all this time, right? Some of us actually do. And then, you know, it turns out that the Republican Party, most of them, never really believed in it, or at least they're willing to give up on all of it just to maintain power for the sake of power. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's, I think, I think Trump is sort of the perfect distillation of the cancer that has been in the Republican Party for a long time. And because of the army and the military, and again, this is, I'm making a huge blanket statement, there will be a lot of people for which this is not true. But for a lot of people, it's just a prop on TV. Like it's a cultural idea that they are disconnected from. It's less than 1% of the population that serve in the military, right? All, my wife's entire family has or is now serving. She works at the VA because she wanted to work there and make less money. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, there, there's clearly that, right? But, you know, to them, it, it doesn't really, they're not people, which is why when Trump gets the news that Putin is putting bounties on American military soldiers, human beings that, you know, have sacrificed. And again, like, are, whether or not you think Afghanistan is a good thing, they're just doing what we tell them to do, right? Well, he That's says, what the military's he, job he is. Said, and he's says, literally willing to sell yeah. them out and not do a thing. It's the funny, The funny thing is, he says, I didn't get that, that intelligence, right? Well, I mean, B B Bolton's book says, point blank, Trump doesn't read his reports. Yeah. Well, and right? people, people that talk to Bolton, right? because he's not allowed to say it, say that Bolton explicitly told him. Right? Of course so like, he did. Yeah, that, that, thing, was, like, that was the whole point. Is he said like, yeah. we, it was, there was a common understanding in the White House that if you wanted to actually get Trump to pay attention to something, you had to make a video. And this is the thing, like, th their move. So, like, you got to have a like, picture book. You yeah. got to hand him the crayon. 
Yeah, this is the thing. The, here's here's the two. Here's the headline and the counterpoint. Headline: Trump betrays entire U.S. military to Putin, and their response is: No, 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 no. He's just yeah. illiterate. <laughs> like, yeah, well, and, and and while I mean, this is important to note, but like while it was going down, while while the Russian government was covertly trying to kill American soldiers overseas, what did Trump do? He was working as hard as he possibly could to get Russia back into the G7. And he was trying to pull yeah, out. Yeah, that's him. incredible. Like that, like, again, this is another one of those sort of storylines in 2020. That if, if you like, if, wrote it up Obama as a movie, they would, it, it, like you can't, it, Fox News, the what building would have What would Mitch McConnell exploded. think about that if Obama had done that? If he was trying to get Russia back in the G7 while Putin was killing American soldiers? I, that's the thing. Like, and this is where, because I think an ongoing part of our conversation moving forward, Rio, is sort of the, the, the integration of people with far more conservative values um, and, and psychological training that came in during the Cold War. Uh, you know, integrating them into a bunch of like progressive lefty assholes. Like we're on the same team now, right? So that's interesting. But where the, the, the thing that I think we're benefiting from the most in the short term is not that there are a lot of you guys, it's that you come with Project Lincoln, <laughs> right? Like that, that, that level of, of sort of, you know, vicious pull your hair out messaging Right, because that's really the difference, right? Like we're we're all over here trying to you know be nice to everybody and ask a bunch of questions and what's the real truth and that and that. Project League is like psyops in Trump's face, like that. I, I don't know if you saw that one, but like that's just like, yes, it is everyone. I mean, honestly, a big part of their strategy is to upset Trump so much because he's so obviously his greatest fear is that Republicans will turn against him. Right. Mm -hmm. And actually his approval rating of Republicans has gone down to 80%. It's not 96 anymore. No, it's gone down to 80 from 90. Are something. you saying, are you that, saying he lied today when he tweeted that it was 96%? <laughs> well, there are different polls and you know, you have to look at averages. Don't but make like, excuses for the liar. Come but on. Like, no. re, but like they're on a solid downward trajectory right? Yeah. And it's largely yeah. because of the Lincoln Project. And so their strategy is to get him so worried about that, that he can't focus on his attack ads on Biden. And it's just, so, it's working. It's going to work. Yeah. The, the attack ads on, on Biden are, are I mean, he right might now, still be able to steal prophetic. the election, but like, he's not going to win fair and square. That's for damn yeah. sure. Like, he, 100% he is, true. It, 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 he's so losing. <laughs> yeah. Like he's losing hard. All right. Um, hit, hit me with another fascist checklist. This one's interesting. I want you to go first on this one. Rampant sexism. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I mean, well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know, Corey. You said that nobody respects women more than he does. So there you have oh, it. Oh, well, he did say that. Well, I guess by respect, <laughs> he means uh, grabs illegally by the pussy. Yeah, that, that's true. It is when you just randomly grab a strange woman on her genitals in public or in private without asking, that is li literally assault. Like he was actually bragging about assault. And if you remember during, during the last election, he had to, he actually had to dial that back and do the closest thing to an apology he's ever done probably in his life. Because it was just like a couple of weeks before the election or even less than that maybe, I don't remember exactly. And the entire party was turning on him. They were saying Mike Pence has should be our nominee now. 
he had to do it. That must have been so hard for him. Imagine that you're a malignant, narcissistic so, so psychopath, and you recognize that you have to go on TV and admit that you did something wrong. That must have been so rough on that man. But even then, his pseudo apology was like, oh, well, it's just locker, locker room talk. No, it's not I, just locker room yeah. talk because your own ex-wife testified under oath that you assaulted her, that you beat her because you are trash, sir. I had friends of mine in Pasco. Locker room talk like that does happen. But yeah. But some dude, of the people doing it also are. That's exactly rac- it. Rapists, you know, yeah. like he's one of them. Yeah, it's like it is a thing. I, I try. I, I, I don't even tried, but like when I started hearing about rape culture, I'm like, "There's no way that's a thing. That's just that's that's crazy." Uh, it's yet another thing that I was wrong about because I my ability to imagine sociological sociological evil among groups of people. Uh, it's just I just lack imagination in that department, but it 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 is it is absolutely real. And the way the way they went after Hillary Clinton, I think is is the 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 probably easiest to spot for me. Um. So yeah, I mean it. it <laughs> uh, yep. Well, and and it's probably so part that. of the reason. Yeah, it's also pro- probably part of the reason that, um, you know. <laughs> black voters in South Carolina who have a lot to lose if a fascist, be- you know, white supremacist becomes, gets reelected. Um, they were like, you know what? Like, maybe this isn't the time to gamble on a socialist. Maybe this isn't the time to gamble on another female candidate. They chose a moderate centrist and hi- historically center right. Now he's like he's moving a little left to compromise with uh, an increasingly more left-wing base, but like a, a moderate white old dude, right? I think that might have been some serious wisdom on their part. I honestly, I I I hate that that's real, but I, I mean, think you're so absolutely. It's gross. I think it you're absolutely matter. right. Like right. I actually, I'm one. I'm one of those people who thinks that like people's race and sex and so forth shouldn't matter. It should not be a factor, right? Mm. But like in a country where so many voters are clearly deeply sexist, it, it does, unfortunately. That's just well, and, and, and And racist. I mean, the, the, the KKK is explicitly backing one of the candidates. And it's so, so like to voting from that position. And I've, I've heard, you know, some, some, you know, black people talk about this. We've been voting in fear and the lesser of two evils for generations. We've never not been able to do that except for one time. And Obama was pretty good. And there was a man who was subservient to that man who was a white guy and was his best friend and worked extremely well. And there was a massive amount of trust there. And we would like him to be president now, please, because the white people will vote for him too. Can you imagine how Trump would have been able to handle being second in command to a black man? Do you think that he would have been handled that with one one ounce of class or dignity? (laughs) (laughs) Hard no. (laughs) <laughs> uh, anyway um so there's that so this this one i think you know is sort of a slam dunk but controlled mass media um oh yeah right like we're watching obviously fox news was uh deeply complicit um so was joe scarborough um uh, granted he's making up for it now thank you joe uh so yeah the fox news thing is interesting because now 
there are some people, and this is like during the daytime, because like Tucker Carlson is like team like fucking clan now, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous. Fuck that guy. But during the day, like during the kind of the businessy segments, they're starting to crack some windows open so that there is the kind of beginnings of an exit ramp to get off this train, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, there's very few examples, but they exist, right? And you can always tell they do because Trump loses his fucking mind and tells people to go over to OAN, which I tell you right now, we're going to get news that his family owns half of it. Like, that's just, that's going to happen, right? They want, because Fox News, the propaganda fucking machine of all propaganda machines, isn't crazy enough, right? Breitbart they're, they're not isn't crazy the, enough. Right, exactly. Like Bright, Breitbart, runs art, Breitbart runs articles from a populist alt-right perspective Yep. That are critical of Trump because, for example, he keeps saying that, oh, we're building tons and tons of the wall, right? And meanwhile, these guys who actually care about this wall being built are like, no, you aren't, you lying piece of shit, right? Right, Bart, really? Bla- like, yeah, I they run articles all the time that are like, Trump is lying, he's not building the wall, we voted for you oh, to build God. the wall, if you don't build the wall, we're going to vote you the fuck out. Like, literally, Even that's their... Breitbart. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But like that. So to keep keep in mind, once wow. again, the obstacle in the way of Donald Trump ruling the country the way he wants to. Notice I said ruling like a king, not mm-hmm. leading like a president. Is the free press in this case, right? There's lots of them, but one of them is the free press, the First Amendment. You know, all the amendments, <laughs> but in this specific case, the First Amendment. These are obstacles. If your freedom and my freedom is an obstacle to his style of governance. That is a sign that he needs to go. Yep. So yeah, uh, that was clear. Uh, obsession with national security. Um, to me, this kind of files under the identification of enemies as a unifying cause, but it also, I think, ramps up the sort of amygdala fear response because that, yeah, I mean, how many actual scientific studies have been done where you, uh, uh, you know, put people in any kind of uh, fear response and their capacity to reason drops through the floor. See, as example, every single Trump supporter, um, they will clearly in like HD be able to describe to you that uh, which they are most afraid of. And then they will literally tell you that Trump is a good person, right? Like that the cognitive dissonance is, is, is the size of small m- moons. I just made a Death Star joke. <laughs> I mean, not a, it wasn't a good one. I just wanted to just make sure I explained it. Well, yeah. So th- this is kind of like the common enemy unity thing, right? Like mm-hmm. some degree of concern about national security is appropriate, right? Obviously, right? Yeah. And in yeah. certain circumstances, a lot of concern about national security is appropriate. It's worth pointing out that our own CIA and FBI have spent time seriously investigating the possibility that Donald Trump himself is a threat to our national security. And there are people in those agencies right now who deeply believe that. Not because they're partisan Democrats. Honestly, most of them are probably Republicans, right? Mm -hmm. Like every person I know who is in either of those agencies is a Republican. I don't know a Democrat in like, I'm sure there are some, right? But like, you know, you know, like by and large, universities are Democratic and you know, the, 
the military and the FBI and the CIA and the police force are mostly Republican, right? That's just the way that our society plays out. These are mostly Republicans. Mueller was a Republican, is a Republican. Anyway, long story short. So yes, Trump is a threat to our national security. But what he's doing is he's looking for fake threats to our national security or exaggerating threats to our national security in order to rile up his base to make them afraid. Exactly are you like saying, that, right? Are you saying the caravans aren't real? A, because there was caravans two weeks before the election and then not after? I mean, I think that he took a situation that was happening and exaggerated the hell out of it in order to scare the living daylights out of his racist supporters. That's what happened, right? I mean, people, like, what you know what Ronald Reagan would have done if a bunch of people were fleeing a newly socialist dictatorship to come to America? He would have said, welcome. He did. He did he say did. welcome. He did say welcome, right? Once again, was, go, che- go, called, check out, go check out Max amnesty. Boots. Yeah, check out Max Boots' book, The Corruption of Conservatism. I'll, draw, I'll mention it again. Um, he was, he's a guy who um, immigrated to the United States. He escaped from the Soviet Union because he was being persecuted in the Soviet Union as a Jew, right? It's an evil banker and, and Jew, which is another thing that the far left and the all right have in common. They, they, they for some reason, really don't like Jewish people. Um, so he, he came here, right? And that's the reason he became a Republican. That's the reason he, 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 he worked for Republican presidents, George W. Bush, et cetera, is because they showed him what, what America can be. It can be this place for where freedom is allowed, to, is allowed to win, where people are allowed to be free. Trump doesn't believe in any of that crap. He uh, just- I mean, look at Vimin, right? Well, Literally- crap. <laughs> Those are good things. These are my values. He doesn't believe in them. Yeah, so the, the, I think Vindman is the perfect example, right? Um, testifies, and in his testimony, was trying to convince his dad, who came out of is it Belarus or Russia or wherever it was, right, uh, uh, came, came out of that system because they were persecuted, and said, it's okay, dad, it, right in America still matters. And it doesn't. It doesn't. Trump literally railed him and his brother out of government because he told the truth, right? Like, I really hope that on day one, Biden invites that motherfucker up to the White House and says, what job do you want, sir? Yeah. And bring your brother with you. Right. So just to connect all the dots, right? It wasn't by and large, it's not like there was a caravan, suddenly more Mexicans trying to get into the country than usual, right? That's, that's just been an ongoing thing that they trickle in. Um, no, it was a caravan of migrants coming up from South America fleeing dictatorships, right? They yeah. had every legal right to apply for asylum, and they should have gotten it because they needed asylum. Um, do you know what exacerbated the problems in those countries and forced migrants to start fleeing? I have a feeling that you're about to school me. <laughs> I mean, if you'd like, I could tell you. And it's not the only thing. Um, Obama and Biden had a massive program to help people where they lived so that they didn't have to flee the country. And literally within hours of getting the presidency, shit had turned them off. Yeah, no, I actually did know that. That's totally true. And it's incredibly stupid. Unless your goal is to try to create a crisis, right? Right, exactly, exactly. Like that, you all know, of this like, redounds to benefit for Trump as a singular human being who wants to accrue power to himself. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not even a conspiracy theory. That's just like what that's happened. Just, that's just what happened. That's yeah. what happened. That's, right. That, that, that this 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 is as if the nine eleven thing really was done by Bush. Like that's basically what this is. It's he created, he manufactured a threat to national security for political power. That's what he did. Um, I I remember this one Fox News hit where there was a like a breathless dude on a road with two 14, 15 year old kids. Um, he called them thugs and said they're part of a massive caravan moving north. There was no one else for miles. Oh my God. <laughs> it was amazing. And Fox News, ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, is not fucked up enough for Trump. So, or Breitbart. Right. That fucking blew my mind right out of the back Hit of my head. Hit me with another check item. Okay. Uh, religion and government intertwined. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, I don't know if you've read the First Amendment. <laughs> yeah, I thought like, the, they wrote the some government things down about this. It's not they? supposed to uh, <laughs> infringe upon religious freedoms of its citizens, and it's not supposed to um, uh, make a single religion an official state religion, right? Well, Trump is constantly talking about how he clearly believes that Christianity is the state religion of the, of the United States. And he, and he wants to make it officially so. Right now, it's only true in the heart of hearts of his devoted followers. He wants to make it actually true. Um, if, you, if you become a Patreon supporter, you will see the dripping disdain face that Rio <laughs> very appropriately just had on. Uh, on his face parts. Yeah, I mean, like Pence, you know, is, is, is clearly a note to that. The vast number of actual people with supposedly working human brains that think that he's the messenger from God, Trump. Like it just, it's, it's gross. And again, I've always said, it's really sad, not all religious people fall into this category, but unfortunately all gullible people do. You know, like if you, if you believe a story that is very clearly made up, then you are much more likely to believe something else. Um, and that just gets proven all the it's, time. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's worth pointing out that while it is true that the phrase separation of church and state does not appear in the First Amendment, it does come from a letter from Jefferson, right, where he was explaining the rationale behind the First Amendment, right? So we have, you know, Thomas Jefferson, right? explicitly saying yeah that amendment is was intended to create a wall of separation be uh, between church and state right and he was saying it to some baptists because they were worried they they want they were worried remember people people fled from england to the united states in large part the puritans did so that they could practice their religion freely Right. So they understood at the time that the greatest threat to religious liberty was a, the government. Period. Right. And that's the re that's the whole reason for the separation, because as soon as the government and the church entwine, it's inevitable before they start outlawing every other kind of religion and not well, just non-Christian yeah. religions, every denomination of Christianity that isn't the one that the king likes. Yeah, and there's a reason why there was a King James Bible, and it's not because they expect, accepted other, you know, uh, ways of doing it. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a function of monarchy, right? Like, the, the, it's a way to accrue even the power of people's spiritual imagination onto the power of the state, which is completely, totally insane. Yeah, um, and if you go, 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 people, people like to say that Hitler was hostile to religion. 
um no he he well yes he was hostile to the religion in the way that all all theocrats are which is hostile to uh, people whose beliefs are different from his right right but his speeches were were just full of religion of religion like he, mm-hmm. he 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 you know his hatred of jews was driven by by deeply religious convictions and 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 he makes explicitly religious calls in his speeches just go read them um no thanks i'll take your word for it uh corporate power protected um i mean i've been i've been seeing corporate power uh being increased exponentially in the united states since the 60s um but now especially attaching it to uh, some of the things that are coming down later on um you know corporate power is being uh uh and and those in control of that um are you know i mean just you just have to look at at the the response to the 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 covid pandemic to see where all the priorities lie and you can even see in it Trump desperately trying to get corporations to uh, to fall in line to an extent that's working. I think what's really, really interesting here is that there are corporations in the United States that are acutely aware of their, their brand awareness that are pulling away from some of the more ridiculous things that Trump is doing, which like, so this is me like kind of defending corporate power for a minute, which again, it's 2020, all bets are off. But it, it's, 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 that's truly after. Um, but you, you can see Trump trying to do this. He's just very bad at it. And that's, I think one of the saving graces of this, uh, uh, you know, time that we're in is that he's doing all of these really terrible things. He's just fundamentally shitty at most of them. Yeah, no, I mean, the corporate power thing is going to be an interesting jumping off point for our conversation about where exactly fascism falls on the political spectrum. Is it far right? Is it alt right? Is it left-wing in some way they did call themselves national socialists in germany after all so like where like where does it fall right and i think that's a um really important conversation to have especially in the context of our ongoing conversation about political realignment and coalition shifts and so forth so but before we get into that i want to get a couple more checkpoints from you i've got i've got some some puppies barking in the hall puppies um yeah okay but for now, I'll just say, note it says corporate power protected, which is not the capitalist position. Once again, if you, if you listen to some radical lefties, they think that capitalism is exactly the same thing as kleptocracy. It is not. Kleptocracy is no more capitalist than communism is capitalist, right? Capitalism is the separation of the two. It is not the government's job. And you can go back and listen. You can see, probably actually to this day, you can see people like Marco Rubio saying, the government shouldn't be picking winners and losers, right? The government shouldn't be picking winners and losers. Well, that's exactly what Trump does. He has his tariffs, but then he says like, oh, I like this guy who runs this company, so I'm gonna make his company an exception to the tariff, right? That is, that is fascist, kleptocratic bullshit. It's deeply anti-capitalist. Yeah, well, and, and I think that's more the- More detail of that. Like, how, how, many, how many more checkpoints are left? Because I, I wanna get into that broader conversation. Uh, there's like five. All right, let's get through them. Okay. Uh, labor power suppressed. Um, so there's that. I mean, I, I, <laughs> Do we want to say something about that? I, I mean, where, where, by the way, what's the source of this particular checklist? I've agreed with most of it, but it, some of it's starting so, to sound a little bit par- partisan. Well, it, yeah, it was, it was, uh, uh, 
I actually looked into the history of this a, a while ago and could actually only sort of find not anyone explicitly, but there were rumors that it was Jewish people that were coming out of the Holocaust and like a, a, a Jewish uh, uh, sort of advocacy group that uh, uh, came out of, okay. uh, you know, All right. So I, 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 I feel, I feel like the, the corporations thing and the labor thing, we're going to have to go into more detail when we talk about, about fascism and, and where it actually fits on the spectrum, but like, well, where, where some people actually, it's certainly, it's certainly true that the national socialists in Germany suppressed communists in Germany, right? They suppressed people who took a different approach to work to labor politics than they did. Well, then I think that's probably the oversimplistic historical view of it, right? Like any, any labor union whatsoever, they would have just stomped on it because, you know, if you had the audacity to argue, they would just take you out of the street and shoot. Well, that's precisely right. Yeah. So, so, right. so it, the National Socialist Workers Party was a working class labor movement, but they were much like communists, but with a different set of specific um, policy preferences. They thought that they had the, the right answer and that right. anybody who disagreed with them belonged in jail. Well, it's right. like, and it's so, like, so it's a I, like I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but to me it sounds a little like left wing infighting. But I certainly agree that they were suppressing labor movements that didn't toe the line with their fascist ideology. Like Jim Jordan, uh, famous for being a blowhard and for looking the other way as students at his university got abused, uh, basically called him called the Republican Party now the the the, the blue jean party, right? Like basically, no, 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 we're we're party of the working people now, right? Yeah, um, and and honestly, are. well, and I mean, if thing, you only count white working people, yes. I, well, this is the thing: they are in the same way that the Nazis were, because yeah. they're also the right to work people that are literally destroying unions, which is the last vestige of actual labor bargaining power in the United States, right? I like, agree it, with that, but I want to talk about it. In, like, let's get through the checklist and then we'll go all right. a little more. Yeah. Um, so, uh, disdain for uh, intellectuals in the arts. Um, <laughs> That's a, that's definitely oh, a thing. Yeah, that is definitely a thing. You actually see that more in um, like Trump's supporters than you do in Trump himself. I don't think Trump has disdain for the arts. I think he's just uncultured. I don't think he. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, don't, well, I don't. I don't. I don't. I couldn't imagine him appreciating a good novel or or listening to an opera or anything like that he's just like he's just too simple-minded of a person he he operates at like the monkey brain level where it's just like all he cares about is instant gratification so he doesn't he lacks the depth that it takes to appreciate fine art but he's doing the verb in that is disdain right or ad, whatever adverb like the the right he came in and said, I know more than the generals. Well, yeah, no, and, and the intellectual right, he, thing, he has full the, out disdain the, for it. He does. Right, yeah. like the, the, there, there is clear action at every stage where he knows best, right? Like he, he drew a fucking different Sharpie thing on a storm and then made Noah say that was right. <laughs> right, like that, like we, what? And the Fauci thing now, he's saying Fauci because doesn't he even can't know ever anything. Be wrong. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, no, right. he can't ever be wrong. He has, yeah. No, I mean, well, Trump, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but Trump has, an, Trump's epistemology is if I say it, it's true. Right. If I say it, if I don't say it, it's not true. That's basically yeah. it. He doesn't, I, he, did, like he doesn't actually, yeah. You know, he, he is deeply anti-intellectual. But as I was saying, in, his, in the case of his supporters, it's even worse. It's even worse. Um, and this is, this is something that, a populist anti-intellectual movement within the base of the GOP that's been building for some time. 
Um, but they really have a full-on champion of that attitude um, at the, the helm now. Um, <laughs> obsession with crime and punishment. Mm-hmm. I mean, at just sort of, especially in this time, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, hundreds of years in the future, this was around the time when we were putting uh, uh, bayonets on the weapons of U.S. soldiers that were tasked to go break up peaceful gatherings in Washington. Um, so, yeah. And then excusing it and, or justifying it and screaming that he was the law and order president. Again, very actively trying to go after, uh, um, you know, the, the aggrieved white people stuck in their houses during a pandemic uh, to play on their uh, fears and Again, this is just another mob caravan that's coming to steal their fucking lawn gnomes or whatever the fuck it is. Uh, but but it is rampant. Like he says, law and order president basically every other hour. Well, and it's um, again, it's also it's another it's another threat to um, stability and security. Um, it's a domestic threat to security, which is self-made in his part. Because it turns out that when you have the president of the United States intentionally stoking racial hatred every single day, that it leads to race riots. Like, yeah, he must have known that was going to happen. It, and he must have been so happy it happened. Because I, yeah, I, it helps him. It helps him. It, All that thing. division, it helps it him. It well, we'll see. Yeah. It depends no, on, I it mean, depends on, it depends, it depends entirely, exactly to the degree of this ratio, how many Americans are susceptible to fascism? That's it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's a lot of us, unfortunately. It's really dark. I, to, I mean, the, I would say that it's 30%, which is about 29.999% too many. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a clear number that is real and problematic, uh, but just want to you know in terms of in terms of it's gonna get right freaking anally reamed in this election unless he steals it which is what we're coming to pretty soon i think he's gonna i think he's going to get reamed and also try to steal it right yeah i I think i think both those things are true i think you're right um yeah like the october surprise is gonna be some completely and totally ridiculous illegal nonsense Mm -hmm. um so uh rampant cronyism and corruption a jared kushner end of story Right, like, and there's like there's a hundred of these. It's not just Sherry Kutcher, yeah. but he's sort of the the most obvious, uh, you know. So, yeah. yeah, cronyism and, is when cronyism is when you put your idiotic, unqualified son-in-law in charge of everything. That's cronyism. I was gonna say, I'm glad you said everything because it was literally like in the beginning. Yeah, he took every desk. Like he says, well, I'll handle the Middle East. I could solve that. Like, and then he takes climate because, of course, he could solve that. And then he takes jobs because, of course, he could solve that. And of course, every single one of these things fell into a mire of dog shit. And he has no qualifications for any of those jobs. No, he, well, he couldn't. He's a white he male couldn't. American. He couldn't even pass security clearance. Trump had to make an exception <laughs> for him. Think about how messed up that is. Like Dude, he would not have been accepted to entry the State Department at at the lowest level as a grunt. He would yeah. not have qualified. His campaign manager is in jail. Uh, his uh, first uh, national security uh, 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 secretary is in jail, right? Like so. Anyway, and this and this takes us back to my ongoing point about you know populism always exaggerates the problems. Right, they always exaggerate corruption in order to justify more corruption. Right, and you yeah. see it. It's like it's it. They they will say like it's pretty rare that somebody will say, "Oh, there's nothing wrong with Trump. Not any corruption whatsoever." 
more often, and there are people who say that they're truly crazy, but more often they say like, oh yeah, but what about Hunter Biden? You know, as, as if that was the same level of cronyism or corruption, right. not even close, not even I, close. I, I like that you framed it that way. So like when you say exaggerating corruption, because I know we've had this sort of back and forth. In order to justify been, more corruption. And, and th- th- I think that's the important point. And I just, I want to, I want to go to that, like the, the way that, that you framed it, right? So that it's like that, that both sidesarism that is truly toxic. Um, is it, that, it just helps me to think about it. Because when you say like, oh, they're exaggerating corruption. Like I talk about corruption all the time. I'm not fucking exaggerating. And they're talking about the same corruption, but the end result of it is to say, pox on both your houses, burn it all down, right? And that's the real problem. The real, the real problem is, you want to basically just say, fuck it, fuck the whole thing, let's destroy it, and you don't have a plan. And, and that literally, like, they don't understand Well, and it is also the exaggerating. The exaggerating is also a problem, right? If you listen to the way a lot of populists talk, you know, basically it's the, it's the you know, um, it's, it's looking at anecdotes and then drawing huge generalizations based on it, right? Like, oh, uh, you know, the news every other, every other day, it seems, the news has a story about how this politician or that politician did something that was crooked, right? You'll yeah. notice that a lot of the time, the politicians actually pay a pr- price for it. Sometimes they get, they get in trouble with the law. Sometimes they lose their, you know, they lose their reelection campaign, right? Corruption happens, you know, I mean, it, basically, basically what it is, is populism and fascism and communism and all, all of these um, illiberal um, worldviews, um, they all make this mistake of comparing the status quo to a utopian impossibility, right? They don't want to acknowledge the like liberalism as a, as, a philo- as a philosophy begins with the recognition that conflict is inevitable, that human nature is flawed. And therefore you have to choose government and economic systems that insofar as it's possible to channel all of that in as, as positive and productive a direction as possible. You're never going to create a society with no corruption, ever, right? And so as long as any corruption justifies burn it down hostility toward the establishment, you're just part of the problem. I agree. <laughs> you do, Corey. I just had to get it out. All no, right, I right. think like it's, it's, you know, because we, we could come at that from a couple of different directions, but at the end of the day, and I'm on Twitter, I, I finally just started, you know, uh, um, letting people know, because like, oh, you're not convinced. I've had a couple of people recently, especially with the third party nonsense, you're not convincing anyone. I'm like, dude, I'm not here to convince anyone of anything. That's not how Twitter works. I don't know if you've been here before. Uh, uh, persuasion is not what's going on here. I am yeah. looking for helpers. Yes. And generally in that crowd, I find people that aren't helping, right? They, and some of them might just be blissfully ignorant or whatever. They might think they're fucking not, right? Like just, that's fine. Yeah. Um, anyway, but that I think that the, the, the bumper sticker distillation of you know the the real divide is there's people that are willing to help and that means do the work and it's hard work right then there's fucking people that aren't and you know they I mean, can- there's, the, there's there's really third groups there's people who are willing to help there's people who are doing nothing and there's people who are harm who are doing actively doing harm right yeah and yep. the populists are, are in the 
third category. They're in the harm category. Honestly, if they would just get off Twitter and not do anything about politics and never think about politics and never vote again for the rest of their lives, that would be an improvement over what they're doing. I agree. Uh, so the last one is the thing that keeps me up at nights. Because again, right now, like if you go look at the polls, never mind the national polls, which are fucking insane. Like that's really good, but also crazy. What was if the you last one? I missed it. 12 or 13. It's just, it's stupid now. It's like, like it's obscene. Um, but if you look at this, at the, the uh, swing state polls, right? Which again, it's kind of the only important thing. Um, we need to win like one or two out of eight. And we're going to win every single one of them. That's possible. Right? And then add on Arizona and maybe Texas, right? It has to be that kind of a blowout victory it in does. order for us to win at all. Yeah. Because if it comes down to just three or four of the swing states, right? That we need, you know, like you said, we only need to win one or two. But let's say we win three or four. He might yeah. be able to cheat enough to, to, make, to make up That's, that. And that's what keeps me and up. And he right? has like, a, a plan to do exactly that. Hundred percent. Like they, you know, the the which is basically he he's going to say he's going to call he's going to say fake election, rigged election. He's already doing. He's going to try. Right? He's going to try to get the swings. He's going to try to get the swing states that have. He's going to try to get Republican leaders within the swing states to to delay the process of of a recount, so that the Supreme Court hands it over to Congress and lets Congress pick the president. That's his plan. Well, even like Congress picking the president won't work because we're going to have Congress and probably the Senate. So that's not going to we'll work see, out. That, but I, I mean, I'm just saying like in order to stop him from cheating, it has to be a blowout. We yes. have to win Congress. That's just true. We have to win a, a lot of swing states. If it's not that, he's probably going to get away with it. And so that, like, right, so, so we can't, we can't let we these, we can't let these positive polls make us even a little bit apathetic. Yes. I, I, like I look at polls all the time and every time I bring it up and this is like, I love this about my family and my team. They're like, you shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> Cause it's true. Like we have to work like we're 10 points down until the last minute. Um, and then quite frankly, until the announcement comes out that, uh, uh, that it's finished. And the, the best result for us is not a win. It's a blowout, right? Like the Lincoln project. And this is, they started going after senators this week, which is beautiful, right? Republican senators that have been, uh, uh, you know, kowtowing to, uh, uh, to this fascist. Yeah, it's, it's, possi perfectly. it's possible that if Trump tries something that, that, that's that blatant, he might get just a few more Republicans in Congress to turn on him, just a few more, right? And that might be all it would take to make the difference too. But like, we Maybe. really, really, really need, this needs to be a blowout. Did we finish I, the checklist or are there any left? Checklist over, fraudulent elections is the last <laughs> yeah. one. Fraudulent elections, exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly like the exaggerated corruption, right? Once again, the election process is messy. People do cheat sometimes, like on a small scale, right? But, you know, he created his, <laughs> he created a, a um, task force to go, Trump did, to go find evidence of these 3 million people who voted illegally. And they came back to him over and over again, said we couldn't find it. And then he was like, well, do it again, go find it, you know? And over and over again, they're like, we can't find it. And then I'm sure he said like, well then phony up the evidence. And then somebody probably tried and then it got shut down by some patriot and didn't, you know, but like that is, that's how he thinks, right? Yep. So just like exaggerating corruption in order to justify astronomically more corruption, not just a little more corruption, a lot more corruption. This is yeah. that, it's, ex it's exaggerating the, um, 
inevitable imperfections of any democratic process yeah. in order to justify actually fake democracy, an actual banana republic where Vladimir Putin wins 92% of the vote every, every six years. Or yeah, it's long. insane. This is, I think, that my, my, my favorite example of this exaggeration situation that you're talking about because it, it has become utterly toxic, right? So the, the voting fraud thing, it isn't a thing. It, it's not a thing. Like, if you know anyone that thinks it's a thing, it's never been a thing, it's fucking not a thing, right? And you watch now, if it, Trump is terrified of people voting by mail because the more people that vote, the better chance he has to lose, right? So to do that, he's basically vilifying vote by mail, which he has always done, and everyone he knows has always done. And everybody yeah, it's really the funny. They ask him about that. The, the entire like, military, minute, the entire yeah, military like, has always done it. Right. Didn't you vote by mail? And he's like, well, yeah, I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that pretty much, yeah, yeah, good for me. That, that pretty much sums it up. Right. He thinks he should be allowed to do something that you shouldn't be allowed to do. But like, honestly, it's, it's all garbage because the only thing he's trying to do is to suppress the vote. Because if you go out, he knows because he's been fucking told and he was told in January that by the time voting happens in November, there will be a pandemic like no one has ever fucking seen in this country that is still alive right? You're not going to want to leave your house mm -hmm. for very good reason, right? And so it's you're gonna not going to want to do, your, everybody's going to want to do uh, uh, mail-in ballots. So we have to tell everybody that mail-in ballots are fraud. Here's where the thing backfires. And I'm so happy I get to tell you this story. In Michigan, where they make Republicans extra stupid, they are now burning their mail-in ballots on the fucking like steps of the state house. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the people who buy books in order to burn them oh jesus christ it's so stupid. <laughs> like, dude, you're literally just giving money to the author who you don't like and, you can't even and make you're, this burning, you're burning your own ballots so so now they get to go stand in line and the non-crazy people can just vote yeah that's really that's basically how uh be how it goes i mean honestly mail-in ballots is is ubiquitous in uh, washington state it should be ubiquitous everywhere they do it in Oregon, Oregon and California, yeah, too. Yeah, no, I think it's Oregon, right? too. Like, um, like, it's perfect. I mean, of course, I'm sure, like, a deep state, deep state conspir conspiracy theorist QAnon tinfoil hat wackadoodle would probably say, yeah, and that's why the Democrats always win in those states. Oh, yeah, more voting like, helps Democrats win. Meanwhile, those Florida. same people turn around and talk about how the California Democrats are heartless corporate sellouts and they allow homelessness on the streets because they're it's like, and then I always just say like, wait a minute, are you saying they should just like ratchet up taxes and give everybody free housing? Like, it's just, it's so funny because you know, the, the, it's okay, whatever. Like the Democrats are winning because the Democrats are winning, but they're also apparently significantly to the right of all these alt-right wackadoodles. So moving on from that, um, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like listening to Trump supporters talk about the evils of, of uh, West Coast Democrats sounds exactly like listening to far lefties talk about the evil of West Coast Democrats. They say the same things. So now that let's talk about labor movements. It is true. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I understand it. Like, you know, you, you know, whatever your views are, what they are, but don't pretend that they're right wing. Okay. So let's talk about labor movements. Where does fascism fit onto the political spectrum? Do you want to take this first? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they, I mean, no matter what happened with the, the, the Nazis, what you're doing is the, in perfect line with everything else. Any power structure that can interrupt what fuels your power structure, you have to kill. Right. 
right? So if you're, if you're a labor movement and you are trying to get uh, uh, concessions for people within that movement, I'm talking about like normal, normal unions, right? Not like a communist uprising, but like, nor like you know, which is all it's ever been really in the United States. People that were like, hey, like we would like a weekend because fuck you, right? Like that's a labor union to me, um, generally speaking. It just, it just anything that gets in the way of single unitary executive power has to be squashed. Right, right. So it's important to point out that those, everything on that checklist, those are to one degree or another, I don't entirely agree with the characterization of all of them, but I agree with most of them. And I agree with all of them to some extent, just they require a little context and nuance. Um, it's important to point out that those are necessary, not sufficient criteria, right? So like there are other ideologies that check some of those boxes, right? But fascism checks them all and Donald Trump checks them all and the yep. alt-right checks them all, right? Yep. Like every single one of those boxes. So, you know, suppression of alternative views is also something that communists did, right? Right? There are, in fact, there are quite a lot of similarities between communists and fascists. The, the infighting between different kinds of Marxists, the communists, like, if you didn't believe in, like, the Stalinist kind of communism, then all those other labor movements, those were all outlawed, right? Yeah. Same thing, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's not, that's not something that only fascism does. So what is the actual difference in practice between fascism and communism? There are some differences. Um, one of them is the nationalism. Um, communism of the more, <laughs> the less fascist kind um, is more globalist, right? Um, and because, you know, so, so Marx talked about like the, the, um, the workers of the world uniting and that sort of thing, right? So it's about the idea is that you have, you have the working class versus the capital class globally, right? Right. Whereas under fascism, it's not that. It is only the workers of this nation against everybody else, including the workers of other nations. And you see that happening in, you know, the Steve Bannon style national socialism of scapegoating foreign labor for automation, for example, right? That's part of the creating an enemy for, for unity thing, right? The enemy isn't, isn't the evil Chinese government that exploits their workers. No, 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 no. The, the enemy are the workers themselves because they are competing. They're taking your jobs, right? The immigrants are taking your jobs, right? So that is one difference is instead of finding solidarity with the working class worldwide, you see the working class outside of your nation as competition and as part of the enemy. You follow that point, Corey? Yeah, I think so. It's yeah. like anything to otherize is going to sequester people under your power. Well, it's just, a, it's a practical difference between the two, right? So they're the, the one, one, one way that they're different. Um, another way that they're different is the actual economic model. It is true that while the Nazis called themselves national socialists, they did have something that they considered to be, or I shouldn't say that they considered, something that um, economists in hindsight to be considered to be a little bit more like capitalism than the communists. So to clarify, anti-capitalism was explicitly part of the Nazi ideology. But what they did, which communists didn't do, is they did permit some private companies to exist and compete 
within autarky, which is which is now a word that we're all having to relearn because there's a fascist in the White House. But autarky is the idea that a gut, that a nation state needs to be self-sustaining. It shouldn't have to rely on imports or exports with other companies, other other uh, countries, right? So in this in the service of autarky, they allowed private companies only within the country, right? So they were opposed to free trade, right? Which means they've already parted from actual capitalism, globally speaking, right? And then within their, this is, this is not just how it started out. This is what happened in practice. This was their actual ideology. And then within the country, they allowed some private companies to exist, but only in the context of a completely state-run economy. So it's much like the Communist Party in China China does today, right? Which some people call authoritarian capitalism. And Corey, I, I, I love you amusingly pointed out that that's a total oxymoron. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah, um, it is. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's basically, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like it, consumerism and sort of what people on the ground see as capitalism, right? You go into a store, you buy a phone or whatever. But when it comes down to who is actually controlling all of the capital and where it goes, um, you know, that, that, that's, uh, yeah, yeah it's basically it's basically it, it, it is what people mean by oligarchy and kleptocracy. The idea yep. is a state run economy that will allow select people choosing winners and losers, a.k.a. the thing Republicans are supposed to be against and some still claim to be right. Choosing winners and losers. It is a state run economy saying, all right, we'll let Rio run a business, but only if he does his business in the interest of the state. Right. Yeah. I, the American version is the oil companies lobbying to make electric cars illegal. That's a good example of it. So, but like, I'm just, I'm, I'm saying that it kind of, it kind of goes both ways, right? So the, much like in communism, the state and, and business merge into one, but then the exact nature of that merging is different. That's the only difference. The, the okay. main difference is that you have uh, private oligarchs who use that merger in order to profit off of it and justify it through the fascist ideology by saying it's in the interest of the national good. It's in the interest of the workers. It's the interest of the country, et cetera. It's the interest of the collective. That's how they justify it. Well, and that's um, exactly what the oil company said. Yeah, kind of is. Yeah, yeah and exactly. again, I'm not saying, because again, like in, in, in the States- It's part of autarky where... too, because we don't want to be dependent on foreign oil, which, you know, the, right. the, the, the point being like on, on, on individual issues, like I actually happen to- agree that being dependent on foreign oil is bad right but that's very that's a that's a long ways from all foreign trade is bad and the ultimate goal being autarky well and the solution is to subsidize electric cars up the wazoo not give 50 billion dollars a year to oil companies right like that anyway so they, the reason i brought that up is that like that we're seeing systems that devolve completely into that right and to your point, just to try and paraphrase it so I could try and understand it in my own words, like the, 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 um, watching what happened in Nazi Germany, watching what happened, it's, it's going on in Russia now as well, right? Um, and, and in China, we've got individual examples of corporate power accruing lobbyists onto themselves that buy politicians to get stuff passed that is not capitalist and this is i think the important thing for for us to 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 draw this distinction it is not capitalist to buy politics so that you can get an unfair advantage in the market that's oligarchy or capitalism is supposed to be a natural market 
with right. With and it's, this is it's important stuff because again, like like, and again, in, in the conversation we're going to have in a minute, you know, we might end up talking about uh, uh, anti-capitalist and stuff. I know a lot of them, right? What they mean is, and the policy that they would back is actually a better regulated, purer capitalism. That's right? possible it's in some like, cases. Like a human, a human. Okay. Well, I know people that are actually getting, in politics. Yeah. That actually vote, that actually go to meetings, right? I like, like the imaginary boogeyman of the right is not anything I'm going to, you know, be all that comfortable with talking about with that derision. This is, so the main thing is, this is, this is like an actual winnable fight. If we, and again, this is me handing a giant birthday cake to Rio, but getting these terms to the point where we can actually understand them in context is a way for us to start having the conversation that needs to be had. Right. So I wanted to, 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 to clarify finally. So basically what I'm saying here is it, when you hear this ongoing argument about like whether fascism is left wing or right wing or whatever all of this stuff is right we're seeing once again the limitations of a of a of a simple um, model like a left right spectrum right or even if you look at the horseshoe in horseshoe theory you could you know that's where that's actually where calling fascism far right comes from you've got horseshoe theory if you go really really far over this way you now come down the horseshoe and you're into the illiberal um far right but the way I prefer to look at it is I like to take that horseshoe and turn it on its side so that liberalism and capitalism and democracy is on the right. And, you know, that's you, the top part of the horseshoe on the left is communism and the bottom part of the horseshoe on the left is fascism. And I have a philosophical justification for that, which is that, yes, it's true that the exact approach to economics was not identical between say national socialism and global communism, right? But the main difference was globalism, one, versus nationalism, and two, the fascists did permit private ownership of capital under a completely state-run economy where the understanding was that those private companies would always be working in the interest of the state as the state defined it. So not capitalism and was very motivated by um by labor working class movements so when they call themselves national socialism it was it's kind of like talking about like stalinism versus trotskyism or something right it's like they 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 are other approaches to the socialist way of thinking um and i think it's so i think it's simultaneously one it's completely fair for communists to say they're not the same as us because there are very big differences. But it's also completely fair for a capitalist such as myself to point out that they're both anti-capitalist. So. Oh, I'm and by the way, Corey, there is a real boogeyman of the right and it's the goddamn alt-right. Yeah, well, call me when more people than you and the Lincoln Project have figured that out. Well, the um, Lincoln Project might save America, so I give them- Honestly, I, I, that's, I mean, the way the way that women trended 10 minutes after 2016 um and into 2018 i am reasonably certain that any democratic nominee would have beat the paint off trump especially considering with with you know the fact that he's basically just leaving i mean florida the positivity rate in florida today is 33 fucking percent you know what they're doing nothing what does that mean? The positivity rate is thirty-three. Their their testing rate 
has been going up. It's actually flatlined and it's kind of going down now because they're, this is oh, when FEMA is falling. percent of the tests come back positive. Yes. Yeah, that's scary. New York, New York never hit that, right? Yeah, that's and New York, when things got over 22, 23, 24%, and granted, they were scaling testing, so there's going to be some variation there, right? But when it got that high, they shut the whole country down. So we're going to find out what happens if you have that, that capacity and don't do anything and then open schools. Right. So like, and it's in a purple state this time. Yeah. I mean that like on that alone, um, Trump is incompetent and there's going to be hundreds of thousands of dead people. And this is a disease that kills old people the most. Right. Yeah. And also right now for Trump right now, nationally, we're up nine points on people over 65. Nine. That's, that's stupid. That's insane. Yeah. That, that's completely bonkers. So right. we, would have, we would have won anyway, but I, like, I think it's, it's, it's important to note um, just, I mean, just how f- fucking terrible he is. Anyway, I had a point, but I forgot it because I started talking oh. about Florida and I'm here. So that's scary. Okay. Yeah, that is scary. And yeah. moving forward is our gumbo. Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Rio and I are so excited that the Humanity First movement is moving forward. Something you can do to help is go to movingforwardpod.com where you can find us on social media, read our blog, and support us on the Patreon. Right, Rio? Right. Moving forward is our gumbo. Yeah, gumbo. Boop.